Welcome to another segment of the Agricultural Market Viewpoint. This is a podcast where we reflect on various themes influencing the agricultural economy here at home in South Africa and beyond our borders. Like any disciplined agriculturalist, I cannot do my work properly sitting firmly at the office. And our offices are in Pretoria. By our, I mean the organization that I work for, the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa, Agbazua in Pretoria. But of course, now and then we get on the road, meet our members, uh, participate in agricultural conferences, see farmers, because that gives us a sense of what's going on on the ground. And it helps one uh, also to sharpen their focus in policy-related work to say what you are arguing or doing in policy. Is it really uh, related or responding? to the needs um, or that are happening on the ground. And the past couple of weeks, we spent doing exactly that. Uh, there's a number of themes that we've picked up. There are a number of issues that we've engaged on. But in this podcast, I want to focus on four broad themes that I saw coming up over and over, regardless of which province of South Africa one is in and regardless of what commodity or farmers one is interacting with. The first one is a story of the export markets. Uh, where farmers are saying, look, we are seeing the progress that have been made on opening up the export markets in South Africa, having seen exports rising from just over $2 billion in the early 2000s to now $12.4 billion, which was a record level in 2021. Um, and those export markets are nicely diversified with about 40% or so of our exports going to the African continent and about just over 20% to the EU, same size to Asia and elsewhere in the world. But the core thing now that is rising is to say, we are now as a country at a space where we are talking about what we call the agriculture and agro-processing master plan. This is a social compact approach of which speaks to the need to boost production and also ensure that there is inclusion, more black people participating in agriculture, more women participating and youth in agriculture. That participation will entail the expansion in production and the expansion in processing of the agricultural products. Now, South Africa is already an export-oriented agricultural sector. I've made the point in previous segments that we are exporting as a country about 50% or so of what we produce in value terms. This means then any improvement or increases in production will need to find the export markets. And this is exactly what the guys on the ground are speaking about. They say, hey, we need more export markets. And they're pointing out specific countries which they have an interest in. Uh, we already, for example, have participation in the likes of Japan, but they are saying we want wider market access for agricultural products in Japan. We would like to participate more in China and India. China and India, we are a very small player there. We make up less than 1% of their agricultural imports, and they spend billions of dollars importing products. So the guys are saying, particularly in the fruit, wine, and meat, they say we would like to see our participation improving in those countries. Saudi Arabia is one of the important markets. Folks in fruits and meat, they also say, look, we would like to participate in Saudi Arabia. Bangladesh, Philippines, South Korea are some of those markets that if one is listening to farmers and agribusinesses across the country, you get a sense that they want more participation in those markets, which basically says then if you are the South African government, you have to make sure that uh, in your engagement with these countries, you are talking a lot about widening the market access for South African products onto that. But this also means then that the colleagues in Pretoria in government 
have to interact a lot with folks like where we're sitting as agribusiness chambers and other former organization on saying, how do we collectively bring together a South Africa Inc. plan where we actually go up and say, we having this package of agricultural products for these markets. Those are the discussions that farmers and agribusinesses are talking about a lot on the ground. But additional to the uh, story of the export markets is also resolving non-tariff barriers um, that are seemingly emerging in a number of areas. If you think about the EU, for example, there's changes in regulations for certain products. In South Africa, we already felt the impact of that with citrus, where the Europeans uh, but it just changed and said, look, for importing your citrus, we needed to comply with XYZ to protect it against um, certain uh, elements that they, they, they had suspected on South Africa, the false codling moth, which, of course, South Africa had already put on in place all of the uh, scientific uh, regulation to make sure that there aren't um, any uh, diseases or anything that would actually negatively impact the quality of these products. But the bottom point is that a number of countries are using what we call non-tariff barriers to actually block some products from accessing the markets. Now, farmers are feeling that, agribusinesses are feeling that, and they are asking that, the South African government and uh, agribusinesses and the people like myself who sit in this position, we have to say, how do we work with all of the colleagues in the countries that we desire to have a long-term relationship with to make sure that they are more accommodative and they are not using non-tariff barriers as a way to block us out of those markets. Of course, there's a lot of intricacies on these trade-related issues and many people wanting reciprocity in a couple of things. So those are all discussions that we need to look at onto that. So that's the first theme that is related to trade, which came up a lot on the ground in discussion with farmers. The second theme that also came up was a story around the network industries. Um, and anyone who drives across South Africa, particularly in the Eastern Cape, in Free State, Northwest, you will know that in the network industries, particularly roads, as a country, we haven't been successful in maintaining roads in good condition. And the heavy rainfalls of 2021, they actually worsened uh, the, the conditions whereby the, there's really these large potholes in all of these small towns when one looks across and they are really in bad conditions. Farmers then are in these small towns and they are feeling the impact of this, either by paying a lot of money on maintaining tires and the machinery and equipment and the tractors to and the trucks to move the produce, or by certainly just other roads um, are rendered um, are useless. You actually see the roads are in such bad conditions that you cannot move your products. And now the farmers are raising this issue and saying, how can they get some assistance and attention on making sure that they resolve this challenge, our governments and the municipalities resolve the challenge of roads? The other element of network industries was on a railway line. As a country for major products uh, such as uh, grains, for example, we transport 80% of them by road. But in the olden days, that used to be the opposite, where the majority was on a railway line and the road was taking a lot less than that. Our rail have been challenged number of times also there is vandalism that is happening some people talk about organized crime that is destroying our railway lines and this is hitting the agricultural sector a lot because people would like to rely on a railway system particularly if it's uh, convenient so this is the other issue that they raised in the ports um, also the issues of efficiencies that were raised but the important thing about the rail and the ports is that transnet has really been excellent in listening 
to farmers engaging in agricultural conversation, engaging with the miners and the others in the other sectors of the economy about how exactly they can get their ports to be more efficient. In fact, one can just look at how they worked in rebuilding the port of Durban after the floods. The work there, they were working tirelessly and they were able to see uh, large volumes of products going out in the ports um, being slightly rebuilt um, days after the, the, the heavy disruption that had happened there in April following the floods that we experienced in Durban. But the agribusinesses and the agriculturists want to see more work on that. And on our side, we will continue to engage with our colleagues at Transnet because they are open to, to engagements on that. But also the role of private sector is one thing that many people kept asking, especially in big conferences, saying, how can private sector take a stake um, in some of these pots um, and, and stuff? So that's the other uh, conversation related to network industries that one is hearing a lot um, in, in, discussion, um, in discussions in these agribusinesses um, conferences. The third and important um, aspect here is around agricultural finance. Um, uh, people raise this issue because in South Africa, we are talking about what we call the blended finance instruments or program, where the Department of Agriculture brings a certain amount of money to the port, agribusinesses and financial institutions also bring a certain amount of money to the port. And this is used mainly to support the new entrant farmers, the ones that I mentioned earlier on, the need for increased participation of black farmers, women and youth in agriculture. This is blended finance story is one of those that is actually uh, many people are asking about. The Department of Agriculture is at the final stages of that. Uh, they launched about a year or two ago a first leg of it with the IDC, Industrial Development Corporation, but the other leg which is going to be launched with the financial institutions and the agribusinesses and the others, we hope that will happen soon and it will anchor the master plan. And also though, people are asking to say how big is that part of the master of the blended finance? And this is a discussion that uh, from where we see we could be having with the Department of Agriculture. But still importantly in that debate was the story of the land bank. A land bank to people that are not from South Africa is a state-owned um, entity, agricultural bank, which has played a pivotal role in driving the commercialization of agriculture for many years, many decades um, in South Africa. It has faced a couple of challenges, but I believe now it is in the rebuilding process where it's actually being strengthened. And I think this remains an important institution that can help us in driving progress in this important sector of our economy. There's been a lot of politics around the land bank in the media over the past few days. And I think when there is progress or good work done on reshaping any institution, one will always hear these things. But I think from where I'm sitting and I'm observing, um, there's good work that is being done. And this institution deserves the support of all South Africans and the South African government so that it can play an important role in growing our sector inclusively. The other important thing aside from the, the, the two, which is the fourth point that I saw coming up a lot, was the softer issue of trust. And in almost all of those issues that I was talking about, either it's finance, it's exports, um, it's issues of network industries, the issue of trust kept coming up in the discussions uh, with, with agribusinesses and farmers. And of course, trust and accountability along with monitoring and evaluation were the key things that people were raising. Because when you talk about plans such as the master plan, they talk about the issues, they ask questions about, okay, but how can we believe that this time around this plan will be implemented and uh, there will be accountability and all of those things. So trust is at the core of that. And people raise this because 
In South Africa's agricultural sector, we've had numerous plans over the years which we have put in place, but when it comes to implementation, we haven't been as successful on to that. Some of the things that people were saying to say government can do to actually just gain the credibility and make sure that the private sector stakeholders are behind any programs that are being in place. They were saying government should act first and show that they are doing something. And I think there's a lot that government can do that doesn't require any money, for example, especially legislative-related interventions or improvements. For example, we have in South Africa what we called um, Act 36 of fertilizer and agrochemicals. This is an act that pretty much manages the registration of new fertilizers and agrochemicals um, and, and, and other farm medicine that are needed for the agricultural sector. It needs to be modernized and improved. There are a lot of suggestions that are floating in the industry. And this is something that can be done with uh, really less cost. And I think if government can do that, it can gain a lot of goodwill in the sector. And I think that's the first thing that they, they, they need to do. And this is, of course, the point that I'll be engaging colleagues in government about it. And there's already some work between what we call the Inputs Forum in South Africa, as well as government, where they are putting building blocks to actually make sure that they do that modernization. And I think once that work is done, in that core creation method of private sector and government, it will gain a lot of credibility and a good work. The second point um, around that is also what we call the Agricultural Product Standards Act in South Africa. Um, this is, again, also one of those regulations uh, which monitors the issues of quality and all of those things. In South Africa, the government has uh, put into place a team of what they call assignees. Uh, these are people that go around and checking all of this quality stuff on behalf of the government. There's uh, a lot of discussion amongst the industry on this, on saying who bears the costs of these people. Shouldn't this be work that is done directly by government employees um, and not get the third party players participating in it uh, and I think that the government can resolve that so that the industry is in a comfortable position they use that money that they put into this for expansion and the other activities um, and also find a solution going forward um, hand in hand uh, with, the, with the industry on this and I think that will gain a lot of goodwill but also the Department of Agriculture supporting uh, Transnet, the National Treasury supporting Transnet, supporting the land bank, those will be some of the important intervention because if the treasury supports the land bank and the departments begin to support the treasury not supports the transnet not even financial system but really planning with them and talking with them that already sends a strong and important signal to private sector about these institutions as well as the credibility and an intent to continue to be actively in, engaged in this sector and i think those things will, will earn a goodwill there are other things for example that are more tangible then like the release of government land to the right benefit fisheries with long-term tradable land leases or title deeds. And this is a point that I will discuss in the coming podcast because it has a lot of nuances in South Africa and its land reform. But the point is, there is land that is owned by the state. Number of estimates suggest that this is more than 2 million hectares that can be given to new beneficiaries and it's arable land. And there's a lot of things could be, could be done. We'll discuss this in, 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 in the next segment or so. The other things then that private sector can do, because it cannot only be government doing something, the private sector can do a lot as well. Firstly, by making sure that amongst the role players in private sector, 
farmer organization, agribusinesses, there is a bit of a unanimous voice. It's not someone shouting at their own corners. And it's unclear now if I'm sitting as government to say, who should I listen to? Everyone is shouting on this one theme in their various corners. So to have an umbrella round view about how we think about certain things, particularly issues of trade, issues of sensitive like land reform and all of those kind of things. Uh, so we do need a unanimous voice in there. But also uh, private sector talks a lot about um, important collaborative um, and uh, transformative projects that they've done to bring in new young farmers into the sector, new players in agribusiness into the sector, new black players into the sector. Those success stories needs to be elevated but not only elevated, we need to study them to say what has made those examples to be a success and how can they be replicated to other areas of South Africa. And those are important things that can then work and assist us a lot when we are implementing, for example, the master plan. So showcasing those important things are some of those things. So there were very various themes that came up, but I thought for me at a very high level, these were some of the important themes that came up. The list is not exhaustive. Um, and even on building trust, the points that I've out outlined, those are not exhaustive. But I thought those are some of the things that one can pretty much put up to say um, uh, these are things that can be done to build trust, as well as a list of themes that came out um, on the sector. But overall, I think that everyone uh, acknowledges the fact that South Africa's agricultural sector has a great potential to creating employment and uh, boosting growth, especially in the rural areas. This sector already employs a lot of people. We have just over 840,000 people in primary agriculture and over, 40, 40, uh, over nearly half a million people working in agro-processing. So if you have nearly half a million people working in agro-processing and you have uh, just over 800,000 people working in primary sector, you put that together, this sector has a bigger share um, of employment that it creates. And there's a lot more good that can be done if there is expansion in production and there are new players that are coming on in the agro-processing space. But all of this will hinder on a range or will depend on a range of um, in, uh, intervention that will be made. But these broad four themes of exports, issues of network industries, issues of agricultural finance are one of those that will need um, uh, increased attention, not only by the private sector, but also the government and working collaboratively for the good of the South Africa Agriculture Inc. That's the theme and the sentiment that one is getting when they listening and talking to farmers. And I think the story of inclusive growth and job creation is really something that is resonating with many people in rural South Africa. And that's what we've been hearing on the road. We'll come back in next week with uh, a number of themes that we'll discuss which are influencing the agricultural economy and some of them that I've outlined um, here, such as the issue of land reform and the others. I'll see when we can discuss those at length. Uh, but that's it uh, for this week. My name is Wandi Lesiklobo. I'm an agricultural economist based in Pretoria and working for the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa, ECBES.